Good morning. My name is Matt Miller. I am one of five elders here at Northfield, and it is uh, my honor and privilege to uh, teach out of God's Word today. Um, what do these next stats tell us about the human heart? On the top 100 porn websites, 33 million hours of porn were watched in April of 2020 alone. 33 million hours in one month. 18 to 18 year olds spend an average of 114 days a year on a screen. Worldwide, people spend 44% of their waking hours looking at a screen. The average monthly spend for online subscriptions is $273. The luxury goods market in 2022 was $284 billion. That's things like clothes, eyewear, watches, jewelry, things like that. The global luxury car market is over a half a trillion dollars a year. So what do those stats tell us about the human heart? Um, let's, let's open with a prayer. Heavenly Father, as we dive in today into your word, I, just, I pray that this is not something we simply listen to this morning. I pray that it affects our lives in a way that can only be explained by your Holy Spirit guiding and working within us. Um, open our our hearts and our eyes uh, to what Paul is teaching us this morning. Amen. We're continuing our journey through Colossians this morning. It's important to remember, we, we say it each week, why, why Paul wrote this letter. Again, he'd received a report that there was false teaching going through the Colossian church, uh, basically that our salvation was, was works-based. We could, by our own efforts and man-made rules, that's how we got our salvation. So these teachings were taking uh, their eyes off of Christ and focusing squarely on themselves. So if their hearts and minds were not refocused, uh, it'd potentially wreck the gospel and bring the, the church into spiritual bondage. They needed to realign themselves with God. So in the first two chapters, as Rick mentioned last week, the first two chapters are, is Paul saying, this is, what, this is what you're doing and this is what you believe. And now in the second uh, half of Colossians, we're kind of turning a page here, turning a corner, He's saying, if this is what we believe, this is correct doctrine, this is what we believe, this is the effect it should have, okay? So think of it that way. Uh, so I believe now more than ever, we really do need to uh, take to heart uh, and more importantly, apply the truth in today's scripture. So um, let's dive in. I've asked Carrie Shaver to come up and read it, so Carrie can come on up. Um, the verses are going to be in the wall much of the morning. I'm teaching out of the NIV text. Uh, there are just some different, transla different translations use a few different words. Um, I prefer this particular translation for these verses, so we'll be using the NIV this morning. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. There we go. That word? Okay. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we are really going to focus this morning on what it looks like to set our hearts and minds on things above. Our hearts desire things, don't they? In Scripture we see that. They have a natural bent um, in a certain direction, as you can tell from the stats I just read. Uh, and so... Uh, on a bit of a humorous note this morning, what do, what do we yearn for? I got a little video clip here. Hi. I 
you ready to order? Yeah. What's no, the no, use? not yet, not yet. Excuse me. Oh. Do you ever yearn? Yearn? Do I yearn? I yearn. You yearn? Oh yes, yes, I yearn. Often I, I sit, and yearn. Have you yearned? Well, not recently. I craved. I crave all the time, constant craving. I haven't yearned. I look at you. Oh, Kramer, don't start. No, no. You're wasting your life. I am not. What you call wasting, mm. I call living. I'm living my yeah. life. Well, okay, like what? No, no, tell me. Do you have a job? No. You got money? No. Do you have a woman? No. Do you have any prospects? No. You got anything on the horizon? Uh... No. You have any action at all? No. You have any conceivable reason for even getting up in the morning? I like to get the daily news. Uh, as with every time I preach, uh, the Lord convicts me in areas that I need um, that I need attention or that needs attention. So I am preaching to myself this morning. Um, so my questions for me this morning are, do I yearn? Uh, if so, what do I yearn for? What do I want? What do I crave? What draws my eyes away from Jesus? Uh, if you care to join me in my introspection this morning, I have the same questions for you. What do you crave? Uh, what, what do you look towards? What draws your eyes away from Jesus? So as we work through Scripture this morning, I'd like you to keep those questions alive in your mind. Uh, Paul starts this section by saying, since then you have been raised with Christ. Um, this is an accomplished fact. This isn't a hypothetical goal or something we're, we're trying to achieve. Uh, if you are a follower of Christ, it is an irrefutable fact that you, have been, that you have died to your old sinful self and you've been made a new creation in Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled himself through Christ. Okay, So back to our verses. Paul tells us as believers we have been raised with Christ. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Now that word set is a very important word. Okay, It's in your bulletin note. Set means to seek or to strive for earnestly. To seek or to strive for earnestly. So uh, what are we to set? We're to set our hearts um, and what does our heart represent in Scripture? Anyone toss out a... Nothing. <laughs> our heart represents our desires a lot of times in Scripture, right? Maybe not every time, uh, but when the Bible talks about our hearts, a lot of times it's desires. Uh, it's the things we want most. It's our, our, our deepest ambitions, our wants and needs. So what do we do when we desire something? What do we do when we, when we want something so bad we can almost taste it? Right? We, we adjust, we adjust. We adjust our behavior, our finances, our schedule. Uh, you want a new car, a new boat, new house, some clothes. What do we do? We figure out a way to save the money for that. We work a little more. We, we don't spend over here. We do whatever we want, but we adjust to get the things that our hearts desires. We align our life 
and behavior to attain our goal. For good or bad, our heart's desires drive our actions, whether we know it or not. Uh, on things above, so we're to set our hearts on our deepest desires on what? On things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we're to set our hearts on things above. Our hearts are to seek things above. Our hearts are to earnestly strive for things above. On higher things. Not just higher things, but the highest thing possible. On God, on heaven, and Christ seated at his right hand. In other words, on eternal spiritual things. And so what are eternal things? Um, God's truth, his word, uh, prayer, Christ's sacrifice. And when we talk about Christ seated at the right hand of God, uh, Norman Geisler in the Bible Knowledge Commentary says we are talking about his seat of divine authority because he has defeated the, the forces of evil and death. Now, in central Illinois, seating placement really doesn't mean very much, right? Um, just glance at the person at your left, on, on your left. Are, are they sitting there because you are an extension, uh, are they an extension of your authority, or look to, look to your right? Um, is that person sitting there because they hold some position above you? Uh, seating doesn't mean much. We do have some... Some traditions where seating is like at a wedding. You've got the head table, you've got the, the groomsman, or the best man and the best lady, uh, maid of honor. You've got the maid of honor sitting on either side of them. Um, so, so we do have that, but it's a little bit difficult to grasp. In, but in some other cultures, and certainly in this scripture, seating meant something. You can bet the listeners living under Roman rule knew exactly what Jesus sitting at the right hand of God meant. And isn't it interesting that Paul mentions the seating of Christ and uh, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God? And, and it's a throne, right? And so what we have here, Paul is com- contrasting two, two thrones. We have the throne of our heart, and we have the throne that Christ is sitting on. Those need, the, the, the thrones are occupied by something. So what drives our actions is whatever or whomever is sitting on the throne of our heart. And because our hearts desire things, it drives our actions. So what or who is sitting on the throne of your heart this morning and in my heart this morning? Stats would tell me that it isn't Jesus much of the time. If I am honest with myself, screens, leisure, money, uh, ease, food, family, work, all sit on the throne of my heart far more than Jesus does. What is it in your life? Politics, freedom, vehicles, your yard, your house, screen time, porn, possessions, self-image, worry, children, business, investments, your significant other. How about career? That's a big one for a lot of guys, um, and maybe some ladies, career is a big one. That's That's someone that can easily take over the throne of our heart. Paul is telling us to align our hearts with the, with the throne of God. So a visual, a visual example of this would be a plumb bob. I dug around for my official plumb bob and couldn't find it. This is a chalk box, but they work as a plumb bob. Um, so for those of you who don't know what a plumb bob is, a plumb bob is something like a tradesperson would use. A plumber might use one. If a plumber wanted to run a pipe from that spot on the floor up to the ceiling, he would use a plumb bob. And that 
that would hang, and he'd have a direct alignment with the ceiling above, so you could, your pipe would run up straight. Uh, it's a very simple concept, very old concept. The bottom is aligned with the top. So let's just pretend this is God and God isn't moving, and that's, that's our hearts down there. What happens if I introduce something in here like my job? All of a sudden, I'm not centered under God anymore. Name your, name, pick your poison for whatever this is, but whatever this is that, that isn't um, heavenly things, whatever we insert on that throne is going to move our focus and move our position away from God. We're no longer lined up with what, how God would have us lined up. Um, so, if our heart isn't focused on heavenly things, we're no longer aligned with God. So let's say self-image sits on the throne of my heart, and you can clearly see that it does. Um, the way I dress and look and appear to people is incredibly important to me. Um, all of a sudden, I'm not content with the way the Lord created me. I'm created in His image, and I'm not com- content with that. And then, on top of that, I, I strive for my own uh, version of earthly beauty. Okay, so you can see, um, all of a sudden, when I'm not, when when my self-image doesn't line up with God's, I'm over here. I'm headed in this direction. I'm not headed towards Christ. So the Bible's telling me this morning I need to shift my focus. Uh, is the Bible telling you this morning to shift your focus or alignment? Back to our verses. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. It sounds as if Paul's repeating himself a little bit, but he is not, actually. He's covering all the bases, right? We've got our hearts, our desires. This is set your minds. If our hearts are the seat or the throne of our desires, our mind is the center of our intellect and our understanding, It's the concentration part, if you will. With our minds, we contemplate, we reason, we think. It's the part of us that understands. So Paul's saying, set your heart's desires on things above, and then your mind's focus on the same thing, on things above. Back to the throne of God, Christ seated at his right hand. So what Paul's doing is he's kind of taking a holistic approach to this. He's saying, if if it's just your desires, but your mind is over here, it doesn't work. If it's just your mind over here, it doesn't work. Both, your hearts and your minds. Um, this, isn't, this isn't easy because, because we're surrounded by earthly things, right? It's all I, can, I can just see earthly things. That's all I can see. Uh, Warren Wearsby says, Our feet must be on earth, but our minds must be in heaven. This is not to suggest, as D.L. Moody used to say, we become so heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good. It means that in practice, practical everyday affairs of life get their direction from Christ in heaven. It means further that we look at earth from heaven's point of view. All right, we are born aligned to earthly things. That's the way it is, right? We saw, you know, Seinfeld's video, all, all Kramer's examples were earthly things, job, money, all, all these things. Uh, for us, it's our, uh, our friend's new car or new house or the job they've got where they don't really appear to be doing much, but they make a load of money and you're working like a slave for not, not a whole lot. We are drawn to earthly things. I love listening to Tony Evans. Um, I actually have a book of his sermon um, uh, examples. Uh, and he, he tells the story of a doctor, a lawyer, and a preacher. And they, they all had a mutual friend who had, had a terminal illness. And so the friend called them all together and said, 
I'm going to give you each $10,000. I would like you to put this in my casket at my funeral. And so they, they all agreed that's what he wanted. And so they, at the funeral, they all went up and they, they stuck the money in the casket. And uh, afterwards, they're sitting at Starbucks talking, and the, the preacher couldn't take it anymore. He said, oh. he goes, I got a confession to make. I only put $7,000 in the casket. I didn't think he was going to use it where he was going, and the church needed a new organ, and I knew he'd want us to have a new organ, so I took the 3000 and bought a new organ. Well, then, then the other guy, the, the doctor, he said, well, I got a confession to make. I did a lot of house calls for him. I spent a lot of evenings at his house in the last part of his life. Um, I figured he wanted me to have a nice vacation, so I kept back 2000 and I only put in 8000 And then the lawyer chimed in, and he said, uh, well... He said, now that we're confessing, he said, uh, I didn't put any money in. As a matter of fact, I took out your 7000 your 8000 and I wrote a check for 30000 and put it in there with him. <laughs> so, right, we all have this natural bent, this natural greed. Materialism, materialism and greed are born into us as part of our sin nature. We don't need to be taught how to be selfish or greedy. The next part explains how we overcome that sin nature. So, uh, for you died... For you died. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you died to your old self. Remember the verse we read? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The, the, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. When you accept Christ, you're a new creation, able to move past the greed and selfishness. Not just move past it, but set your hearts and minds on things above. Um, today we're going to be taking communion. That's something we can do to set our hearts and minds on things above. Uh, we, we, we're, we're remembering Christ's death on the cross. We're remembering his blood shed for us. And now how God sees us as clean. Taking communion literally helps us focus on things above. On Christ and his sacrifice. So when we accept Christ's sacrifice, what happens? Back to our verses. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Uh, here's what the Bible knowledge commentary says about hidden in Christ's phrase. Uh, hidden implies both concealment and safety, both invisible, invisibility and security. He is not yet glorified, but he is secure and safe in Christ. In fact, Christ is his very life. And that takes us to our last little chunk of scripture this morning. Uh, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. This is a forward-looking verse. This has not happened yet, okay? Um, Paul is giving us a glimpse into the future. So when we all set our minds and hearts on Christ, uh, he becomes our very life. It's all about him. And when Christ appears, we're talking about his second coming. Hasn't happened yet. Um, Warren Wearsby says, Christ is now seated at the right hand, at the Father's right hand, just like our verse says this morning. But one day he will come to take his people home. And when he does, we shall enter into his eternal glory with Christ. When he is revealed in his glory, we shall also be revealed in glory. According to the Apostle Paul, we have already been glorified. This glory just simply has not yet been revealed. Christ has already given us his glory, but the full revelation of glory awaits the return of our Savior. So when Christ returns... Our glory is hidden in Christ right now. So the Apostle Paul is saying we need to focus upward and forward, right? We need to focus upward towards God, stay aligned, our hearts and minds aligned with God, and we need to look forward 
to what's ahead of us. Christ has already spiritually redeemed those who follow him, but there's a day coming when we will be physically redeemed. He'll return, rapture all his believers, and at that point, we'll be with him in the clouds. So how about that for setting our hearts and minds on heavenly things? So this is all well and good. Uh, Give us some things we can do. Uh, And I want to be clear that the act of doing these things doesn't, doesn't really accomplish the end goal. The act alone doesn't do it. it our efforts don't get it done. Um, this is similar to any other spiritual discipline, right? Like having a quiet time or reading your Bible uh, daily. Uh, simply doing that isn't the end goal. Uh, we're simply obeying. It's what the Lord does with our obedience. So um, setting our hearts and minds on things above aligns us with the throne of God, just like our plumb bob. So I'm going to go through a few age ranges, and I tried to think back to some of, those, uh, some of those things that went on in my life when I was these different ages. But for those of you in junior high and high school, um, maybe struggling to fit in, maybe you spend a bunch of time on your hair and clothes before you go to school, you feel like when you walk in a lunchroom or a classroom, you feel like everybody looks at you when you walk in, right? Set your hearts and minds on things above. All that other stuff just, just drifts away. For those of you who are a college young adult, maybe you feel like you lack direction. Maybe you've got a bunch of life choices, or maybe like George, you've got no life choices, and all you want to do is go out and get the paper. Um, Set your hearts and minds on things above. For you uh, 20-plus-year-old singles who are surrounded by people getting married and starting families, um, you're trying to determine if the Lord has singleness for you in his will. Set your hearts and minds on things above. For you young marrieds who may be struggling to have kids and you at this moment literally surrounded by hundreds of little kids and families, um, set your hearts and minds on things above. For you young families who aren't getting a lot of sleep, your kids are using 99% of your energy and leaving you 1% for your marriage, housework, and other jobs, uh, set your hearts and minds on things above. For those of you with kids in school, sports and activity calendar, kind of overrunning things, set your hearts and minds on things above. For you empty nesters whose lives have opened up, (laughs) you have freedom, an open calendar, a little more cash in your pocket because your kids aren't bleeding you dry, set your hearts and minds on things above. Uh, For those of you who are more mature believers, and you feel like it's someone else's turn to step up and serve, you've done your time, you've been running a long race, and you're tired. If your heart is beating and you're breathing, your race is not yet finished. Set your hearts and minds on things above. It realigns us with Christ in every aspect of our life and everything we're going through. Setting our hearts and minds on Christ puts us straight in line with God, which is where we should be. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let's set our hearts and minds on things above.